Hey, this is Russ Bain, Roleplaying Pub Creator. This is Game Designers Workshop, uh, the live episode at GenCon 2015. Live in that we are recording it, and we're alive. So, you know, that's pretty much it. We're not streaming this or anything. And I'm Robin Law. <laughs> no one? No one's yeah. convinced? Well, it was worth a shot. Yeah. Uh, I'm Caleb. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, hello. Thank you for coming. <laughs> uh, you most dedicated people. I think you're in a, a special club now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yes, uh, we're just here to talk about um, where we are in Game Designers Workshop and our yeah. proud tradition of fucking up in real time uh, <laughs> and uh, letting you know how, how our various game designs are going. So, yeah. uh, we haven't heard about Ruin lately, and I've been talking a lot about Red Markets. So, yeah. where, where are we at? Um, if, are, are you all listeners of Game Designers Workshop? Are, are you sort of caught up on it? Okay. Um, yeah, so, you already. Anybody just stumble in here. And is unaware Ken and Robin talk about stuff that's going on next door. Yeah, so listen to how much fun they're having. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be able to do. That. We're we're just the secret elite. You know, we're like the secret menu on McDonald's. We're the ones that only the elite know. Hey, you liked us when we were underground. That's yeah. what. Just prepare to say that one day. Like, yeah, secret we, menu. We liked it before. Get your cool, galaxy nachos. Obscure yeah. um, <laughs> Aikwood reference here. Uh, so. Um, you know, Ruin, as I've talked about, and I've struggled over the last year and a half, is the game, the concept is architectural horror. And the idea is about basically haunted places, but not the stereotypical haunted house with ghosts. I wanted something like House of Leaves or Silent Hill um, or like the Kubrick's The Shining. Uh, and uh, there are actually a lot of other movies that have sort of, and stories and games that have incorporated these ideas into it. Things like Grave Encounters. Um, there are a lot of uh, FPS horror games, like the Fear series, and, um, have elements that I find really interesting. And um, and I've struggled with trying to come up, like, the conceit of a typical role-playing game is like, here's the setting, and here's how you can play any number of games or any number of stories within this setting. So, like, Red Markets or Dungeons and Dragons. You know, like, you're a murder hobo, and you go out and murder hobo things, and then you have a bad family life, and the end, or something like that. And <laughs> you bragging on Red Markets over here? <laughs> uh... I'm well, part I was of a proud actually, tradition, Ross. I know, like Delta Green, like <laughs> they're they're adding the family life and how you you yeah. fuck it up. Like, <laughs> you know. um, and I realized, that, and I came to the realization, I can't do that with Ruin because. Um, so instead, I'm going to write a trilogy of games. Each one is going to be focused on a particular place. Uh, and I'm just going to do one game at a time. And, you know, so I hope to do a trilogy, maybe even more. But, like, we'll, uh, just one game at a time. So each game will focus on a particular building. So the first one will be called Ruin Labyrinth. And it will be about the... It will be based on the Night Clerk uh, one-shot, that uh, Call of Cthulhu one-shot I wouldn't play. So basically, the premise is that the players are travelers who, for some reason, have to spend the night at a hotel by the highway, just one of those generic ones, um, and it's called the Sleep Easy Inn. It's just, you know, one of those one- or two-star kind of places, you know, that have vaguely creepy features, and, you know, there's stains on the floor, and, you know, you're just, but you have to, like, your flight was canceled, um, your car, you know, it was rain, it was storming, you had to stop, and you go to sleep there. And when you wake up, you can't. You, everyone else seems to be gone, uh, except for you and your other travelers. Uh, you can't open the doors, that, and you have to figure out why. And there's, you know, graffiti on the walls. There's blood stains. You know, you like what the fuck happened when you went to sleep? And so that's the premise. And so the entire game is about playing that particular story. Uh, but the game master will be able to customize 
how that story goes, and the players will be able to try different travel. So I like I have the idea. You know, in video games, you have a lot of them have a new game plus mode where you're going through the same story but you're trying things differently like there's multiple endings within a, a game uh, and you still have fun doing it so I kind of want to try explore that idea of here's the building here's the place um, make it your story try go through it different times um, and then the rules will support that um, that premise and those the, that concept, um, and so like I have enough to do a. There will obviously also be a one shot version of it um, within the same rules, so you can run it as a one night, an overnight game, or an extended stay game, which is the campaign model. And uh, <laughs> we it, live in the hotel now. Yeah. Well, that that's yeah. basically the premise. Like you you get changed by the building. You're trapped there. It's a prison, a labyrinth. Um, and you have to try and survive while you're trying to find a way out or to understand what the hell's going on. Um, so one of some of the mechanics I'm coming, trying to come up with are like how to express how, you're pers- how you go from being a normal person, like I'm just staying at this hotel, I'm going on my life, to being like a survivor whose clothes are torn, you're covered in scars, you've seen shit, man. And so like even if you've managed to escape, you're not going to be the same person. Um, and to that end, like, on the character sheet that I have, um, that I will be playtesting, hopefully today and tomorrow, uh, with some random listeners, uh, or whoever's available. Um, so, a couple ideas is, one would be character generation happens during the game. Like, in a one-shot or a campaign mode, you would, um, uh, start out with potential investigative and potential general abilities. Um, it is. It, we, I will be using Gumshoe as the basis for the system since it's an open game license, and I like how it works. Um, and so, when certain ha- things happen in the game, you can then spin that potential to a- assign points to that game. So during a campaign, the first session is really just character creation, uh, and then you you once you have those abilities assigned, then you kind of go on through the game. In the one shot, it happens in the first half of the game, or as the game progresses. Um, and um, uh, to me, that's really the most interesting aspect yeah. of the design so far is making the character as you go through, defining them by what they do. Because when you know, when you look at like the sort of psychological horror, that I, I, I mean, I'm not saying you're aping it, but I think Silent Hill is one of the mm-hmm. few things that kind of really represents you know this, this town that's really a mindscape and that kind of stuff. And a character that has nothing; they they are literally just driving into town. But as they go through the horrific events in there, they are further defined by those horrific events. And yeah. through those events, you learn more about the backstory rather than exposition, at least in the good Silent Hill games. Don't yeah. Talk about the other ones. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a really interesting and very common but underexplored aspect of horror fiction that, that you're, uh, you're dealing with there. Well, and the idea is also I want to so I want to get across because one problem I see in pretty much every role playing game is that when you do your character creation you know before the game you wind up with wasted resources you know you like put points into chemistry and you never use chemistry Uh, and I kind of want to solve that problem everything you have is what you actually use so every point really matters I'm Conan the Barbarian welcome to a tale of imperial intrigue great Um, uh, I show up to the ball in a loincloth. <laughs> Great sword. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be an interesting game. Uh, <laughs> the, um, but I also, like I said earlier, it's about architecture is about changing your environment to suit your needs, to, to suit human needs. You 
take a hill and make a put a building on it so you have shelter um, so this game is about how the place then changes you we change our habits based on our architecture uh, how we move about I mean like one of the reasons why we Gen Con is in Indianapolis is because of the architecture of downtown Indy everything there's so many hotels close by and also the architecture changed to ref- to benefit in you know Gen Con because like oh let's have all these skywalks so we can people can get to their events more easily um so what? I, one thing is, part of your sand character sheet will not be explained at the beginning. You will have um, there are two sets of attributes: the uh, awe and then labyrinth. And labyrinth are general abilities: uh, calm, fury, paranoia, and revelation. And those abilities will not be explained to the character to the players at the start of the game. You will have it will come up during the game and then the game master will explain those mechanics when you get those points and how you get those points and what those points signify you will not entirely understand at first and um and same thing with all um and my idea is one the reason why i think the new game plus playing the same game campaign going to the hotel twice would be interesting because you play through it the first time you don't know what's going on but then the second time you have that meta game knowledge, you're like, well, this time I'm gonna, I'll, I'll avoid those mistakes. I'll do this, and then of course the game master is also subtly changing what's going on in the hotel, um, because I kind of want to have this modular uh, the aspects to it. Like one part of the hotel, you remember the night clerks, people, players open rooms, and there's just like impossible weird shit going on, and so like that's that that will be one feature that there will be these unique rooms where you open up and there's something impossible behind it and so like the game master can change what those are um and so that's the way i want to make it replayable Uh, but it's not yeah so ruin labyrinth is not about a universal architectural horror thing it'll be a particular game about a particular place and it won't be a campaign setting it's a standalone game because it's different enough that you can't just use Trail of I want to make it different enough that Trail of Cthulhu or Esoterrace wouldn't work with it um and um there are some sheets of like how you can assign your points uh happens um like for example you can ask a question just ask a question about what's going you know what how did this happen how why are we locked in here and you get in you get to assign one of your points investigative points with that but then you can if you can answer another player's question you can then get another point um because i kind of want players to um re- be rewarded for doing things that will be sort of the core premise of the game is like finding out what's going on and surviving um and uh, same thing with this uh, general ability points. Um, so, yeah. That's I'm going to interrupt that. you right there. Yeah. So somebody came to the door. second person just came to the door, and it's really hilarious when they find out we're not Ken and Robin. Yeah. I wish you could see them. Just go like... <laughs> and back away. Really good. Second, uh, Conan the Barbarian would be really better in an Agatha Christie movie. Uh, Did I... you do it? It doesn't matter. Crom will know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I would like to see. Okay, okay I've added okay. to this discussion. So. Uh, you did. I, I kind of <laughs> now want to see Conan the True Detective. Uh, I'd partner him up with Russ Cole, see so you can out-existential the other. Uh, yeah. He'd have a drinking buddy. He would. Boy, those would be some drinking mats. Um, Our next panel will be <laughs> funny things to put Conan the Barbarian <laughs> Um, so that's where I'm at with uh, Ruin right now. I kind of I just want to make a focus game, and then uh, so I because I've gone through like three or four drafts of just like what the fuck am I going to make this game about? Because I can't just say run a game like I would and put weird stuff in it and don't have it make sense uh, because that works for me. But I don't know uh, if that would really translate. Um, 
So I'm getting, I've gotten some art, and I've uh, will be playtesting this, and then I'll be play testing with the RPPR players, and then I'll just be working on it on the fall. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but yeah, uh, but Red Marcus, Mo, that's that's still around. You're still doing that. My <laughs> <laughs> <Nice> segue, jerk. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Red Markets is in a beta playtest phase. This is what the cover looks like. I've commissioned other art, which is in various states of repair coming in for a Kickstarter eventually. Um, there is a truncated setting chapter, uh, a complete player section, and a uh, uh, most, most of the GM section is done. And the parts that aren't done are pretty extensively summarized. They're not going to be much longer than one of this. Um, <laughs> going to the Delta Green panel the other night where they had like two pages. This is the whole game. And I'm just like, here! Read all of it! Um, yes, that was the sound of it hitting the table. Uh, so uh, that's where it's at. Um, so the beta is released. I, uh, some people are still going on the forums. I'm not like being stingy about releasing it. I'm not making anybody sign an NDA, but I would prefer you sign up for it on the forums and I send you a private message rather than posting it anywhere public because, you know, if you're on the forums, you heard about it some way through the podcast, you're at least some way a fan and you're not just some random Yahoo no. on the internet, which is my only real fear that they will read it realize it's broken because it's totes broken a guy think it's a final product and then judge the final product on the base that it's not a completed product um so i i i am not like asking for like you know ndas but i want that much of a you know sign up in the forum i'll send it to you that's it uh so yeah uh but on the there's a hidden site with the username and password that i will send to you if you haven't signed up already um, raise your hand if you already have the beta. Alright, so some of you have the beta. Okay. Uh, so on there, there's a uh, form fillable character sheet, uh, an example of the outfit sheet, which is the character sheet for your entire company. Um, uh, this whole thing in PDF form, uh, there is a list of various player surveys. So, like, if you just read it, I'd like to hear from you. I would especially like you to play it. And if you're beautiful enough to do a whole campaign, like all of those have different survey levels and then uh, if you do a whole campaign write up I will give you a reward tier of something exclusive especially if you can record it so yeah know, yeah that'd be great too okay we can listen to it but uh, yeah have everybody fill out surveys we are doing a playtest campaign too we've done like 12 sessions now something like that yeah yeah so we're pretty uh, deep in a, your character about to retire <laughs> One last job. Yeah. Three days retirement. Yeah. yeah. No. My, I, my, my joke in red markets is, "How is your retirement plan?" And the answer is probably sudden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, his character's on uh, on his way to retirement. We're gonna see how those more advanced things go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that long term polytest was really essential because a lot of stuff I had planned for the macro advancement rules didn't work, and some stuff. Yeah. came up and there's some stuff I need to add like interlude systems and mm -hmm. the D100 counters so that's where it's at currently uh, it, regarding the vaguely educational ethos of this uh, panel um, playtest surveys are kind of hard to do I basically copied a lot of arc dream questions because a lot of playtest surveys from designers I work with in the Indie Game Design Diner Workshop are just asking for co-designer syndrome which is a syndrome where it's like this doesn't work. You should do this, 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 and to fix it because it's, you know, my game now. Now, 
suggestions are not discouraged in any way, shape, or form, but like they ask like, what do you think about this specific panic on Mayfair in this specific situation, and if it doesn't work, how would I fix it? And and then um, it's not like I don't want to hear those suggestions, but they're less useful than your sensation and why you think it didn't work. Because um, teaching creative writing workshops, it is always much better. It's like this specific part of the dialogue for this character feels disingenuine for these reasons and is much less useful as like she should talk like she sucked helium or like yeah you should add monsters in this like uh, or my favorite for the no soul left behind playtest note why does it have to be about super villains <laughs> which that was just uh yeah why isn't this a movie? Um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of delicate because you want to stimulate conversation and people thinking about the game, but at the same time, you don't want to get down so particular into like design lingo that people can't respond to it. The other thing I'm going to have to deal with is the fact that you are all very nice people, and the RPR fan base is one of the most life-affirming things I have, <laughs> and I need not you to play the game as a result of that. Like, I, 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 I am distributing it to you guys for obvious reasons, but, like, I would really love it if there's people in your group that don't listen to your RPPR and I'm just some dude. Because they're not going to sugarcoat over flaws because yeah. uh, they have no reason to. Um, yeah. That didn't stop you guys. I mean, when I played Just a Ruin the last time, that didn't stop you guys from, you know... Uh, doing what you did <laughs> like oh maybe I need to make some well okay yeah, yeah. correction Jason was there well alright and he has <laughs> never not been after <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah um, yeah I mean playtesting like I playtested this uh, last year I think it was uh, and uh, with six like I playtested once with two players with Caleb and Aaron and worked work well and I thought I had something I playtested with six players including Jason and I um, like they broke it in minutes uh, uh, Jason J- well that the things yeah. you're going to reveal later yeah you didn't reveal later in that playtest well I didn't have I, that part of it like I didn't have Labyrinth or Awe in that yeah. I did have ha- assigning points like there was one factor where other players could assign points to your character by describing them like you look like this kind of person uh, and I'd had it once per scene so everyone was constantly like you look like the guy who can climb that fence you know and it was like shitty exposition in bad movies like yeah. oh it's her the master of unlocking <laughs> yeah <laughs> hello yeah like it was, yeah it was, uh, everyone would just have like epithets at the end of their name and yeah. titles uh, so it got real absurd. Uh, so that why I took a while to revise it, uh, <laughs> and also realizing, um, yeah, that I need to have like there is a story, there is a reason why their characters are in the hotel are trapped. And a lot of scenarios I do, I don't really get that far in terms of figuring out the plot. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so playtesting is important with uh, people you know, but you you should get other strangers to do it as well. Yeah, you're going you're gonna have a couple iterations where it's just like throw it all out in despair. Yeah, and you want those iterations to be your friends. I'm very much hoping that the beta playtest is not like it's all broken and hopeless, nothing's recoverable, because. I'm going to need to not be left alone for yeah. a while uh, for, for reasons that will go into it. Uh, but, but, and I don't think it's there. I think it's no. more solid than that. Uh, no, we've I, a, I think we got a tweak, and I think it's a communication problem a lot now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that exists. Uh, also on there are some APs, 
so you can listen to a complete session, long form. So if you're doing a one-shot, there are certain things you don't have to worry about. So you don't have to worry about news of the Enclave. You don't have to worry yeah. about vignettes with your dependents. You can just find a job and go do it because uh, it's very much in that sort of uh, dungeon-crawling model only with uh, you know more relatable psychological implications for living that kind of lifestyle. Uh, so it, that's pretty traditional, but uh, it's part of our campaign model because I want people to see like how I structure vignettes and how we do yeah. news and, and how we answer questions about our setting. And then there's also an AP where we do um, enclave generation. And I think we also do negotiation at the end of the yeah. job, which is yeah. good because we need, you know, well, that's the weirdest mechanic in, yeah. in the game so far. So uh, you need lots of examples for that. Uh, yeah, but there's a codified structure for DMs. Um, when I... When I start publishing scenarios for this, I will. I plan to have a hard thousand-word limit on how long a scenario can be, and then jobs, and then pre-generated scenarios we will publish as portfolios. So, this is an enclave. This is everyone looking for work of any kind, contract-wise, at the enclave, uh, and then every, and then it will be pretty much like art at the front, map at the back art at the front and map at the back here's 5 or 10 or 15 jobs you can get at this particular enclave which would make it roughly scenario length if it were like a larger adventure but I, I want the book to have a, do a lot of work for the players with the D100 tables so that's a section you don't have to write in any scenario because you're just going to roll uh, the interlude system which is very much improv based um the D10 theme system, so if you want to design your own encounters out in the loss as people travel from the Enclave to the job site, mm. you can do that using that as like sort of a prompt uh, and, and all that. Uh, and then being able, rolling your equilibrium in front of your players, just letting people know where it's at at the supply demand chart and what you need to do to manipulate the price upwards and all that kind of stuff. Um, also new to this is I've codified a score system, which is a job that is made by the players. So in that instance, the GM would deal with the complication, the unpredictable aspect of the loss, and the legs, and everything else would be designed by the players. Uh, they don't have to design a client because a score is precisely... Uh, someone else would do it if they knew about it. They don't have to design a competition because someone else would do it if they knew about it. But if you're the only person who knows where that pallet of baby food is at, you go get it. Uh, and then the price you get is the equilibrium price, but how much can you haul off? Like, yeah, if you want to dump your ammo and your guns to carry more baby formula, uh, is that going to be profitable in the long run? And it's very much about how much do I risk, how long do I stay to, to score that. Um, there's also a randomizer for that yeah. and for contracts. So if you want to roll a d10 and, and get like a prompt for a certain aspect of a job, you can do that as the market or if your players are kind of lost for scores on how to do things, you can use the randomizer and elaborate. Yeah. And now, what we didn't have before, there's there's structures both in character and out of, in character and out of character for designing scores. So you don't have to just like sit down and I'll be the GM. Uh, you can be in character and roll certain skills to be like. My character heard about this. My character was fooled by this piece of all info, and you you talk about it like 
uh, a, a bunch of guys and gals scheming about a small business around you know uh, you know around a dinner table or something, or in this case you know your last can of beans and sorrow. Uh, yeah, so that's um, that's where I'm at currently. Yeah, I figure. I mean, you guys came here. You probably does anybody have questions? Do they want to ask us about uh, any process of uh, designing or working on a game or any of you? Using, about our games, yeah. Or any or are you using our what we're doing to help benefit your game design? Because um, I know some people have commented like, "Oh, I've listened to your podcast and I'm working on my own game, and here's what I'm doing." Blah 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 blah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Or questions about Ruin, like what I what? Yeah. yeah. So what what made you decide to take Ruin from my? I guess more of a frame. Well, yeah. You kind of explained. Yeah, the, the, from the the universal here is a setting and yeah. running story and uh, because I couldn't think of a good way to a frame uh, a framing device for architectural horror. I can't decide. There is a House of Leaves spell and it makes places like House of Leaves, House of Leaves, uh, Silent Hill. Like I can't. I couldn't do that. I, I tried to come up with something like that, but um, my basic idea. Well, I mean, the only framework conceit I had is that like sort of magic, mythos magic, Cthulhu, you know, hyper, which is basically an alien science, uh, hypergeometry, would, um, it's like toxic waste. It can, it corrupts places. It makes things fucked up. And because it's alien science, humans can't understand, uh, stand it. So, haunted houses are just places where mythos magic has been performed, and now it's corrupted in some weird and unknowable way. Um, so if you have a gate spell and someone's gating back and forth from like here to Antarctica and back for dozens of years, and then suddenly, oh, well, now it's colder there, and you know, shit, you know, weird things start happening. Um, and but I couldn't think of a way to like, even if I had that basic framework, that idea, I couldn't figure out a way to like, here's how you can create your own haunted place, here's how you could create your own uh, idea, the logic behind it. Like, I, it's easy to come up with that for one particular place. Like, here's the logic of this place. Here's why it's a labyrinth. Here's why it's trapping people, which is obviously for the game masters only. And I want to r- structure it so that um, game masters can run it in a way where, like, the players figure out what's going on at the end. And, like, aha, this is what caused it, and we can stop this if we do this. Uh, or it's just, like, the game master knows in a way, but, like, the players just, like, they just get out. Like, that's, that's their goal, like... They never understand the whole truth behind it, which is a lot of horror. Like, you're in a weird, you know, place and bad things happened here, and now you have to get out, but you don't, like, understand the cosmology behind it. And so, um, that... For me as a player, the initial design, and I, I respected it, yeah. seemed to kind of take take a bug and make it a feature of RPG design in general, and that we talk about maps a lot, and how in describing maps, there is this huge disconnect... Uh, even with even if you have art on the table yeah. between what the GM understands of the place and the player understands of the place, and kind of turning that gap of ignorance that's natural and like trying to transfer knowledge from one head to the other into uh, you know unknowable, horrific, scary stuff. And uh, you know I think that's a respectable design goal. I also think it's really hard to do. Um, and I think what you're currently doing could still kind of utilize that, but it's in a more manageable size. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and like the yeah that incongruity between everyone's everyone like 
you're in a hotel room. Everyone will get a similar picture, but not identical picture. And then like, oh, well, the bed should be over here. Or the sofa, but is there a chair? There's one chair. No, there's two chairs. You know, like it, that, that kind of comes up pretty frequently. Um, and so it was just the only way I could see it as a game. Like I just, maybe after I write these games, these three games, I can come up with like a grand unified theory of fucked up places. But until I get to that point, like I, I'm just sort of, G-U-F-P Yeah G-U-F-P um, High school thrash metal band Name too uh, Abbreviated And it's never explained To other people uh, So Unless you're in Yeah unless you're in Unless you're one of the cool Unless you're one of the cool kids So uh, Yeah Does that Yeah I had a follow up question So like How are you explaining To the game master How that works Is it like a module um, there In the GM section There will be like A history of the sleep easy in And that it will say You know at this point this happened and this happened and this happened and then the players got there and then then the T minus you know uh, so there will be like a chronology of events and then there will be suggestions like you could change what happened or you could just ignore this entirely and they just wake up you can like obfuscate uh, elements parts of that backstory so there will be a particular backstory because I want to have like it's easy to have fucked up things but you want to have sort of a consistent aesthetic of it like you know, great horror movies. If you're doing like, like it, Stephen King's it as the miniseries. You have sort of uh, reoccurring motifs, lead motifs. You know, of like the, the creepy, you know, carnival music and the balloons and the little paper boats and stuff like that. And like that, Pennywise has an aesthetic. Yeah, but you don't at suddenly throw in like uh, now the room's made of tongues. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, you don't add in dinosaurs. Like dinosaurs would be scary, but it can be scary. But like you wouldn't throw in velociraptors in that. Like that wouldn't make any sense given the setting or like mummies. You know, uh, unless the character watched a mummy movie and Pennywise was like, "Aha! He's afraid of mummies. I'll look like a mummy." You know, like there would have to be some sort of reason for it. So like by giving it a particular backstory and like referencing certain ideas and themes then the GM can like make the thing make the story make the the place more interesting and more like compelling rather than just like here's a random scary thing here's another random scary thing uh, uh, think about think about like Nightmare on Elm Street like people are attacked through their specific spears in Nightmare on Elm Street yeah but since Freddy is, you know, a homicidal narcissist, and also because you need some sort of unifying aesthetic for whatever this nightmare place is, Freddy always puts his face on whatever your yeah. spider food thing. Like, he always brands, even though it's very your specific fear, yeah. he puts the Freddy Krueger brand on top of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And there will be options for you to change what that is, but, like, the idea is that you can change you you change some parts of it but it's still recognizable so like when you do the new game plus the second campaign where the players know what's going on or think they know what's going on you can change things up um because like the idea in the one shot is for one shot i want it to be a single story and like the is the story is you're trapped in this place what is your priority what do you want to do like you know uh, obviously most people be want to escape but it's you like it's very early on you realize it's supernatural something supernatural is going on do you be like no this is impossible I have to understand what is going on uh, or do you like somebody did this I'm gonna fuck them up like they, they, you know the murder hobo way which is you know petty revenge overall uh, that guy you know <laughs> pissed me off he has to die yeah um, so that's the that's the dramatic question I want to answer in a one shot what do you do uh, in the campaign it would be more 
spaced out. Um, and one thing I also want to do is like, even though it's one building, the idea is over time it changes. Like it will be multiple locations in the sense that the, like it starts out normal, then it gets like ruined. Like oh, there's it's decaying, it's falling apart, and then like you find a new wing to the hotel, and like the rooms didn't go. They only went to two ninety nine. Why is this room five hundred four? You're like, what the fuck? You know what, what? How many floors is this hotel? So Wi Fi is not complimentary anymore. <laughs> they close Continental Breakfast before ten. Just oh no, Continental Breakfast all the time. Hellscape. You've always been in Continental Breakfast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that cave. Yeah, so continental. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I hope that answers. Uh, any other questions? Uh, yeah, in the back. So what modifications are you going to make to the what I am now thinking as antagonistic life coach mechanic? The, you were talking about the mechanic that people are using in every scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you look like a kind of guy great at distracting muscles <laughs> while I get away. <laughs> uh, I think someone actually said that in that playtime. Yeah. Um, there will, there, that is still, I still like the idea that players have to interact. I want players to interact with each other. So I'm still having that in there, but it's only. Um, each player may assign up to two potential general potential of their choice to of abilities to your character. Um, so the idea is they only get a little say, and it's only once. Like you look strong, you, you know, you you're, you're tougher than this. You know, you you know, snap out of this or something like that. They can assign sanity to your character, so you won't go bug shit. So um, I want. I'm. I mean, I haven't. It's not a hundred percent that it'll, that'll stay in there, but I just want. I want to. Get I'm, a lot about ruin is also looking at what players do, what scenes, what kind of things players do, and what gets them interested in the game. Um, like recently, I was running Delta Green um, Cascadia on the actual play side. If you haven't listened to that, um, <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He would just sit there in his mouth and just melt him from the inside. Slow simmer. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, flare gun suicide is what we're referring to. Um, <laughs> But Cascader, I was watching the players, and it's sort of like, you know, the first you have the murder investigation scenes, and, like, that's an hour into the game of them just like, okay, I look at this clue, I look at this clue, I look at this clue, and, like, they needed that information, but then, like, when they got to the green box, and, like, suddenly, which is a storage facility, if you're not familiar with Delta Green, um, and then, like, these strange people confront them while they're in the green box, everyone's like, what, what can I do? You know, like, they had, they had more options, they were more engaged in it, and that's sort of one of the things I want to do, is, like, get players to get more invested in the game by like well I want to interact with each player I want each player to interact with each other once because a lot of times players will like talk to one other guy but ignore the other people um, so, so yeah. some broken mechanics are not broken they just need breaks or governors or caps for people that like and and sometimes you want to leave a negative design space and just let people figure it out on their own but like sometimes you do have to plan for the Jason character yeah. that's going to abuse that system. So. Well, yeah, that's one thing is... Every, I, I don't think those rules... Having played those rules, I don't think those rules are broken at all. I think it just needs a cap. Yeah, that like everything is now... Every time... every the, There's 12 or 13 things you can do to assign points, but you can only do each one once. So, like, there's 13 things you can do to assign points, but... That's you know you can't do you know action four more than once. You you have to keep trying different things. And and that's something you got. That's why you got to keep track of your iterations because sometimes you throw out perfectly good rules that just need something. Yeah. To govern player behavior more so they don't break the game with it. Because like I can break a game if I flip over the table. 
I don't need a rule telling me not to do that. But sometimes people do need rules to kind of govern their behavior, so it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so that's why you got to really keep track of your iterations because sometimes you'll throw something out that would work perfectly fine if you just kind of capped it. So like my example for Redmark is the scams. So in negotiation, giving people other things to do other than negotiator is important. It's a big way to manipulate price. But um, initially when I tried it, everybody got a scam. And negotiations went on until everyone did their scam, and there was no like limit to that. And so every job was worth a bazillion t dollars. Uh, they they got everything. So now, yeah. So now scams are, are are limited according to the negotiator's skill. They can only take place between leadership rounds, and you can only do as many people as you have players. Uh, and so that yeah. that does that makes that makes an indication. So it's like I want everyone in my group to have a scam. Well, then if you're a negotiator, you need to roll really high on leadership. And now, well, you have a way to do that, spend your will point, but you're not going to use that will point to not get bitten by a zombie later. Like, so now it's a cost-reward, risk-reward, everyone's on board, everyone's... Uh, and if you don't do a scam one week, you've done scams other week, and you can still have yeah. spotlight other ways. So, um, yeah, so like... Giving the people the things to do, the nonlinear time of things to do in between negotiations to manipulate the negotiation because they were prepared beforehand, um, that was not a broken mechanic. It was a mechanic I needed to rein in, not throw away. Uh, so uh, that's why it's really important to keep track of your iterations. This yeah. is beta 2, by the way, after alpha of iteration 5 and beta 1. So written a lot of red markets that didn't work uh, but I've also recycled a lot of in the director's cut which will be a stretch goal we'll have, we'll add all those <laughs> no <here>. yeah <laughs> no we we are showing them how the hamburgers made quite enough already <laughs> they don't, they don't that. Uh, yes um, when you guys are designing games do you have any kind of uh, rule of thumb as far as like the ratio to in-game content like rules to setting material stuff yeah any kind of like um, it depends on what I'm doing. Uh, there are some things like, I mean, aside from obviously uh, Ruin, I'm still doing stuff for Base Raiders. And um, Base Raiders content, like the main book is like about 90,000 words setting material and about 60,000 words of rules. Um, and a lot of those rules weren't even mine. I copied them from another game because OGL, woo. Um, so... It, it, it really depends on the type of product you're doing. You need basically each the setting stuff needs to uh, explain every major question, you know, or at least give give them a complete enough picture so that they you know know what you want them to know. And the mechanics have to cover um, everything that needs to be covered. Mechan- yeah, I know that that sounds vague. So I think you know main games with unusual like unique premises need a lot of setting material so Ruin's going to have a lot of setting material Red Markets has a great deal of setting material uh, Red Markets is going to have a lot of rules though too because it's a big there's a lot of new concepts game wise uh, like for Base Raiders though I do short PDFs that are just like 500 words of setting material like here's these new gadgets you know ray guns and shit and then like it's 2000 words of game stats uh, because it's just items; it's adding on to an existing framework. So, um, if you're doing a new game, you need—it's a lot of both. Um, I mean, I would look at things that are similar to yours. That whatever you're designing, look at their table contents, see what the ratios 
of setting to rules are and just kind of get some ideas from that. Does that does that help? Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not an expert on this. I'm just a little further down the road. So, like, anyone who's suffered through my pros know I struggle with brevity greatly. Uh, this is way too long. I've got, like, five or six pages of setting material, and then I don't even have the D100 tables in there for the GM chapter. And then I have three setting chapters playing in addition to this. They're of roughly equivalent size. Oh, God, this thing's going to, like, be able to kill a small mammal. So, like, one of the things... I need to do in the beta is work on revising and that's another struggle is like because the beta's out I, I'm wandering around I'm like waiting for panels to start it's a real trouble for me to like not instantly start graphing things up and start correcting things but like that's going to totally F up my beta reports from people coming in I've got to let it sit until I get those and then do it all at once or else I'm going to have a game that doesn't exist and feedback for it you know, uh, so um, yeah, it's one of those things. But yeah, I I I, I need to be more brief because I need more setting material, uh, and I want the book not to snap in half when they try and print it. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to be too brief and, and vague. So uh, if anybody's starting reading the beta, I use extensive examples. Like, I really hate it in books where, like, they give you a mechanic and you never see anybody play. Yeah. So there's a ton Example of, Example like, stuff is, like, never wasted. Like. Yeah, so I don't want to cut that, but that means that since I'm adding setting material, I've got to add a ton more things of that nature. Yeah. Um, I'm also asking my book to do more work than some other books. Like, so, for instance, if I'm going to cut a scenario down to a thousand words or less... That means a lot of the generation of the stuff that goes in between to get a full three or four hours is in the core book with those randomizers. So that's going to naturally make it longer. But um, it's going to depend. It, you just have to go back to what you want your game to do. Like So when I think about cutting the setting material, I'm like, well, it's a game of economic horror, and it's about markets. I'm like, well, a game that does that would have to randomly generate everything, which would be a nightmare. It would leave it on the GM to do it entirely, which means they would have to be an economist, or it's going to have a setting detailed and evocative enough that people are going to understand the basics of the materialism and do it themselves. So I'm going to do the latter, uh, which means that I have to somewhat define the world, and, like tell people where stuff is and the geography and how you get goods from place and how you do, you know, things of the information. Which is really not where RPGs are going nowadays. It's where I was like, do what you want with these rules. Make what you want with these rules. So yeah. I have as much of that stuff in there as I can without, I feel like, crippling whoever wants to run it. I don't want to write, like, the economic version of Continuum. Like, oh, I'll be great if I could figure out how to play the damn thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it just looks really entertaining, theoretically. Like, No, you should go the champion's route. If it can stop a bullet, that's enough. <laughs> uh, by the way, My game for, saves lives. It's a superhero book that is this as thick as a phone book, and there's videos of it on YouTube being shot with small caliber bullets. <laughs> uh, and it's stopping them. So, like, it's... You have to know calculus to do the game. Anyway, it's <laughs> It's a very uh, and it's got a devoted fan base. Um, but anyways, uh, next, you, Yulani. Yeah, um, just a quick question about game design. I remember when you were saying that you know the players are going to get out of scenarios with very incomplete information. Yeah. Um, do you ever have any problems when you're running your playtests with 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 players going well? You know, I'm tired of basically Charlie Brown in the football all the time. Um, I want to know more. Yeah. 
Well, that 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 the a lot of players don't always say they want to know more. Like you know, in the hotel scenario, they they I well, I mean, I'll find that out in playtesting. But most players are like, oh, I'm trapped here. I want to get out. You know, I don't care. I only want to know as much as that will help me escape. You know, I want to get back to my you know life outside the walls. Um, and the idea is, I, ideally, I would like to do it to be um, like a lot of great shows. Uh, uh, they'll ask one you answer one question but that leads to another question like you've solved one mystery but now there's a new mystery to uncover so you know layers upon layers uh so if you're doing the rppr bingo uh uh so i think that's that's my goal as a designer is to not like have the players constantly failing or whatever they should be succeeding but it should never be like this is the answer everything's satisfied we're done you know like it should just uh, because it's horror too like it, there should be some uncertainty you know uh, I think it's just interesting as a general design question because like we've played games with uncertain resolutions before and we've had varying different opinions of them like uh, I think Watchers in the Sky in the final Revelation Trail of Cthulhu is one of the best Cthulhu Mythos like scenarios I've ever read because there's some weird effing birds and people are getting these weird mutations and there might or might not be cultists and then there's a very scary cave and then it's done that's all you get to know. You don't. You don't know what his name was. You don't know what it was part of. You. It's not something new. It doesn't have its own origin story. Like it's even less information than like uh, anti-metagaming monsters and no security. And I just adored it. And then Ross's response was roughly WTF. Uh, well, on a, on a, okay. But there are other times there's been a lack of resolution okay. where I've been like, "What the hell?" Yeah. And you've been like, "Well, it's just that way." So like, I feel like that's a that's yeah. a very common trope in cosmic horror and I feel like there's probably a right way to do it and probably a wrong way to do it and I don't know where the line's at yet well okay so that's a that's a great example because uh, for me from the final have it you all listened to the final revelation APs okay uh, yay if don't you should buy it it's yeah. pretty cheap at Pelgrane and it's just a yeah. delight to read and how <laughs> cruel it is yeah. <laughs> to the your player. players have been sassing you like yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw them the final revelation um, <laughs> because okay so we can compare and contrast I think we talked about this in post-mortem but like between that scenario and like the dying in St. Margaret's the dying in St. Margaret's also has a lot of uncertainty too mm-hmm. uh, but spoiler alert it's a color from outer space that like the players are trying to find these missing people at the school and they eventually find them and like oh they got they done got ate by a co- color out of space well whatever it, it does it irradiates them ki- turns them into dust basically uh, and that was enough for me like we don't know uh, what that machine was in the lab we don't know what the uh, why they were so devoted to getting it we don't know what the color is or what the color wants obviously but that was that was satisfying that left enough for me watches out of the sky is like it was internally inconsistent with itself, I think. Um, and there wasn't, like, it felt to me too random. Like, there's just a series, like, that Pennywise and Velociraptors thing. It was, like, just things that happened, and then it stopped. And our characters, yeah. So that, that, right, that was... Screw Game Designers Workshop. Yeah. We're back to two hours of Final Revelation. Phase. All right. <laughs> Here's my supposition. Yeah. I think the only difference is that your characters were completely ignorant and thought it was totally inconsistent in, in Dying of St. Martyrs. Yeah. But you, as a player, knew it was a color out of space. I think the exact same thing happened to the characters and Watchers in the Sky, and you didn't get a name. 
Uh, no. That, that's my thesis. Why the hell did the guy time travel 15 years into the future for no reason? Like, <laughs> the time travel part, alright? He just like, oh yeah, now you're now in the 50s. Okay, what? But now we're talking about other, like, famously weirdly incomplete and un- anti-climax series, because, like, Artifact Zero... That's all that that's about, though. They didn't have, like, birds growing But there are still billions of people on the internet yeah. who are just like, bullshit! <laughs> I'm in the pre-Cambrian era now? No, Where the that was foreshadowing. That that I wanted to, I wanted to about play an FBI agent! That had a, that had a problem. That had, was foreshadowed. That was, uh, yeah. Uh, this, this like, watching the sky. Like, I understand. I think what we can agree on is yeah. we don't know where the line's at. Or at yeah. least we don't share the opinion of where the line's at. Oh, yeah, no. And that is something that would require more playtesting to me. And it's going to be, well, it's one of the subjective Consistently things. inconsistent. Like, different different in playing groups are going to have different levels of expectations. Like, there are some people like, I want to know everything. Give me a name to this god and give what is its weak spot for, so I can hit it for massive damage. And other players are like, alright, cool, that was awesome. Um, yeah, we've so, got some minutes. Uh, so yeah, that's going to take more investigation, but you're still wrong. Anyway, yeah. next question. <laughs> uh, we had a question in the back, I think? Or someone? Uh, you you kind of started answering mine, I was going to let go, but... Okay. Um, what your two games that you're both working on right now are they mechanically do wildly different things. Yeah. Uh, take all of the fluff out of it and even the specific model that you're using wildly differs. You piggyback Ross piggyback on a different system. Yeah, gumshoe. Caleb are creating your own system. It was a bold choice. <laughs> Where that's a word for it. <laughs> Where do you want to like page count or word count? Where do your systems fall? You started messing with the like. Ideally, you said you need to work on your brevity, Caleb, and, and pull it down. Do you have an ideal word count for a system with a for a game with a brand new system and a? Well, systems can be anything dynamic. from. Well, an entire system could be anything from like Cthulhu Dark, which is like a thousand words, to like Champions, which is like half a million words or whatever. Uh, uh, like I said, Base Raiders, superhero system, uh, and I added some new mechanics to it, like power modification, base creation, and shit like that. Um, that was sixty thousand words, about sixty thousand words, uh, and again, setting materials eighty to ninety thousand words. Um, yeah, what's what's the word count on red markets? Too many. It's at one hundred and forty now. Yeah, one hundred and forty. So at uh, two fifths of the way done. Yeah, I have problems. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, there's something wrong. With me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it really depends on what your goal is. Like it also what kind of role playing game you want to make. Like there are the storytelling indie guys that are doing you know things like Fiasco or our, our Best Last Hope. And that's like a thin little paper, six by nine paperback, and that's like ten thousand words, or you know, Wick or John Wick's Wield, which is ten thousand words and made way too much money on his Kickstarter. But you know, um, for what they what he released. Uh, so yeah, my actual rules in this book are probably sixty thousand to seventy thousand of it. You're just talking flat out rules. When you're adding examples and like features, so like randomizers, things like that, that's pretty much it and then everything start almost everything starts with an at a glance bulleted list note of it but like as far as how much your rules need to teach that's going to depend on people's relative history with rpgs uh but like any rpg design is a very theme first endeavor you need your little tweet mission statement to make decisions uh so we were talking about this intro uh game design uh we were talking about with the igdn people about the importance of player agency and why you need player agency and then i'm like yeah but there are a number of mechanics in my game that steal player agency like that limit your choices because it's a game about economic horror and guess what 
there is nothing that limits your choices quite like capitalism. Uh, yeah, look at all the people who are around you who aren't wearing blue jeans or shorts. Like, yeah, that's capitalism. Like, the thing that gets the market gets what everyone wears, and we all wear the same types of pants, which through many places in history would have been utterly bizarre and somewhat dystopian and terrifying, because that's the effect of the market. It's a meritocracy, but the only merit is money, and that's what determines what everything is. So, yeah, I can say I want to steal player agency because I have that theme. I know what my game's about. But length is going to be determined by what the game So this isn't, like, the only game I have tried to design, and it's not the only game I am currently designing. So, like, I've got notes for, like, Doctor Witch Doctor, which is my idea of, like, we do a lot of genre emulation, but we don't do uh, hospital romance so I'd really love to do like a story game where you don't need medical knowledge so everything, all forms of magic are real and they are used to treat all forms of magical diseases and so you're just like George Clooney where you have like a bone through your nose and a headdress and you're like, oh no, give me more Eye of Newt, this guy has intestinal lycanthropy uh, yeah, it sucks when your large bowel turns into that of a flea uh, yeah, so uh, I, I want to find a way to do that so that would be very short because it would be like there's this weird hospital where like shamans and witch doctors and voodoo priests and uh, all, all serve the roles of a hospital. Uh, but then like I want to do a terrorism game, but not exploitative. Just like I don't want to be exploited for poverty in this. Where um, I love Garth in his comics where people hate superheroes. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, Cyclops is great. Cut my family in half with his goddamn red eyes. Yeah, let's all love Cyclops. Uh, and uh, I, I also love Nice Black Agents, where like I am utterly powerless, and these are monsters. And so I love the ideas. Like we get together for book club, and we plot about how we can blow the shit out of Spider-Man with some C4. And like, what do you do when? Why you don't have- you just do it as base raider supplement? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what do you do with asymmetrical yeah. warfare when that's your only option and, and that yeah. kind of stuff? And, like, how do you determine if their motivations are pure or if they're really just, like, want that power for themselves and it's jealousy? Yeah. Like, uh, I'd, I'd want something in there, like, determine, like, are you a school shooter or are you a revolutionary? And, like, how do you figure out how noble your motivations are for doing this pretty heinous and extreme thing? So I have tons of ideas like this, but, like, all of those ideas would be drastically different. Like, Doctor Witch Doctor would be short. The superhero game would maybe be even longer than this because power complements are nightmares in superhero games. It's really going to be determined by your theme. Well, yeah, well, I mean, the way to think, a lot of role-playing games, some are like, here's the setting, you can tell stories in this setting. Uh, and those tend to be longer, and then, um, and obviously, the more simulationist you are, like the more, like I want to model superpowers to where I know how many cubic feet of uh, material I can vi- disintegrate. Champions uh, are quiet yeah, here. Yeah, well, Here's a well deck that's of cards thing, yeah. and a short list of procedures. Well, everything yeah. else is on you. Like, yeah, right. The other approach is the toolkit. Like, here is a here is a system for running a game. You know. Of this type, so like especially most of the indie stuff, like Quiet Year, like here's how it's you legit can, this bit, yeah, like uh, and a deck of cards or Fiasco or our Basilisk to Hope or any number of uh, products are like it's a, or monsters and other childish things. That's like here's how you can do kids with their pet monsters, you know, Pokemon to uh, any number of other stories, and you could just there's no in, like that was the hardest thing for writing monsters and other childish things adventures is there's no set cosmology in it. Like, it's a toolkit. You 
could you you have to write so that like in this in my campaign the monsters are all genetically engineered creatures that are symbiotically attached to kids via you know gene therapy and then in this one wizards did it you know and in this one <laughs> that's always the answer yeah well the good games uh, <laughs> so wizard um so you 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 what do you want your game to be do you want it to be a toolkit to enable people to play games of a type or do you want to like this is the setting and or do you want to be like I think the champion rules aren't go in depth enough and let's let's <clears throat> kick it up a notch phoenix command the shit out of it you know um I, by the way, I was reading part of a review of Phoenix Command on the web to Gen Con after like paragraph. So fucking angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> when the review of your insane game is also boring, that's like next level bananas. But like, they can walk 22 meters a second because they. Like, I read a review of Rifts and I'm entertained because someone else shares the same opinion of the game. Yeah. I, this review of Phoenix Command is like, this is a terrible game. Here's exhaustively why. And I was like, no. <laughs> I stared into the abyss and it stared back. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, that's something to keep uh, track of. Uh, I guess we have time for one more question. Yeah. Um, if that answered. Yes. So on the number player agency, a lot of uh, architectural horror just relates more to like, hmm. you go to the place and it reveals what's wrong with you. Like yeah. Shining and Silent Hill 2. And Rome, do you see that as players taking or is there some other way that's represented? Uh, one of the things I have is each player... One of the also things is in horror games, uh, investigative horror games, I also have a lot of handouts, and I think that's good for player enable... Like, for blow participation, investigation, that kind of thing. Um, what I want to do is each player is going to have a document of what they do to travel and stuff like that. And... Um, like this document like it could be the travel voucher for your airplane flight that was canceled or like you're going to see someone in the hospital so it's a get well soon card or something like that and that document the game master then takes them and then will reintroduce them into the game perhaps someone else found your card and wrote a note on it saying like go to room we'll meet you know bring uh, bring the gun to room 327 I'll give you what you want you know or something like that and so that document becomes something that the player uh, or they they find some, you know, it can be used in some other way. Uh, so there'll be multiple uses for that card, perhaps in a magic r- ritual. And um, I'm so, afraid it is two o'clock. Yeah. We have about fifty people ready okay. to start the two o'clock thing. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll talk more about this in the next episode because I need to do playtesting of it. So um, yeah, sorry, my watch was reading a couple minutes early. Uh, so anyway, that ends the uh, game designers workshop episode. Thanks everybody. Uh, we'll be outside. Yay!